Hello, hello, hello. How is everyone doing today? This wonderful, well, Sunday morning. I'm recording this on the 16th. Um, we have a awesome guest. His name is David Goodall. We just kind of just jump right into it and just start chatting away. Um, and honestly, I took a lot away from this. Um, and there's a lot of good nuggets for everyone else. And it is definitely worth listening to the end. I'll put it that way. So. Let's begin. Welcome to the Josh Bolton Show, where we dive into interesting and inspiring conversations. And now, your host, Josh Bolton. Thanks. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. How's this Friday going for you? Uh, it's been a crazy week. I am. Um... Actually, I'm going to apologize. I usually like to do more research on the podcasters, but I've had Corona's been going through the house since Monday. <laughs> oh, shit. It's all good. And I've been trying to do clients in, and I'm still coughing a little bit. So I remember getting a glimpse of one of your podcasts, and that's probably one of the reasons why I signed up to talk to you today, because something happened, and then I don't remember what it was, though. So I apologize. It's all good. Um, oh, man. So how did you get it? Just curious, because I got it like last year in 2020. I, I don't know. I, ha- I had some crud around Thanksgiving and then I got better. Okay. And then, and then my daughter brought something. I don't know. I don't even know if it was it. We didn't get tested. All I know is that I had, it's not like I got hit in the back of the head with a volleyball for two days and. Yep. That's, that's and, corona. <laughs> and I made a big pot of like bone broth, chicken soup with garlic and such and eating that for the last couple of days. I'm feeling better. Just still a little snotty. It's all good. It's all good. At least you showed. I had a, a guest earlier this week. She canceled and everything. She's like, oh, I got Corona. I sound worse than everything. I'm like, all right. Uh, so, where, where are you out of? I'm in California. How about yourself? I'm in, Cal- I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina. What part of California? Uh, near LA area. Yeah, okay, cool. What's in your fish tank back there? Uh, there there's a kid uh, glow fish with like the black lights on. It glows like neon green. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm looking at heart. I'm like, yeah, that little green one that just passed. If I turn on a black light, he just glows bright. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, so how long have you been coaching? I'm just curious. Right, four and a half years. Oh wow, four and a half. Yeah, I, I I'm educated in electrical engineering, and I spent 21, 22 years in an IT support consulting coaching role towards the end. Okay. Um, and in the last company I was at a data sports, my clients were like Apple and Walmart and Chevron. So I was always in the fortune 100. Right. And they always build me out for 10 times more than they paid me. <laughs> so once I was on a tiger team, we solved a problem and I got laid off. I'm like, I'm going to go do this on my own. And, um, I grew up in my grandfather's countertop manufacturing plant. So blue collar, I was a kid. He had a heart aneurysm when I was like nine or 10. Um, so I had 10 years of that entrepreneur in the blood, but, mm-hmm. um, then I followed traditional path. I was never a good student, but, uh, got an engineering degree, hopped in the it industry. Cause I thought that's where the money was after I was let go. I was like, man, there is no passion purpose. I, I want to get back to the small business owner. And, um, I'm blessed with dyslexia. I have an autistic daughter. And my other daughter's neuroatypical with dyslexia as well. And I just got fascinated with neuroscience. And I'm like, 
how can I take the passion my grandfather gave me, you know, being in the, in the wood shop and, and loving of learning in the engineering and all the systems we could put to our service departments in IT. And then I brought the neuroscience and how we're programmed and how to rewire and how to, where 90% of our failures are in between our damn ears. And that's seriously, like, that's what I bring to my clients. It's like, you can't get out of your own damn way. Like let's, let's figure out the thoughts in between your ears, switch those and go. Yeah, that's very true. And that's where I found my my passion and purpose is helping people identify the bull crap stories they got going on in between their ears. Oh, hundred percent. Like I used, um, it's funny. I had a very similar story with my uh, uh, grandfather, but he, uh, he died of a diabetic coma when I was like 20 something, but he literally, he just was getting to that age where it was like, it was really hard for him to even push his lawnmower. So he's like, Hey, Kid, I'll pay you uh, 20 bucks a month. Can you do this for me? You know, I'll pay for the gas and everything. You just push the mower. And I was just one as a young kid. I'm like, oh, cool. If I want a hundred bucks, I got to pick up like four other people and I get a hundred bucks a month of cash. So that he'd started it. And he was actually just an old school teacher for, um, he went through the whole system. He went, he was in Korea and all that. Mm-hmm. But he, so he was, he had the like military, the entrepreneur get it done, but he, then he's just like, he went to teaching. Cause he's like, it's easy. I can get money. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I lost my grandfather in Korea. My dad's dad. I never met him. And then my dad was in Vietnam. So we have a huge military background family. Um, I probably offend a lot of my neighbors cause I have an American flag out front, but <laughs> it is what it is. I'm grateful for my freedoms. Um, you know, uh, and I know we've had a lot of family sacrifice for me to be able to, for me to have the freedoms I have and the freedoms I'm able to provide for my children. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a weird world we live in right now. <laughs> it really is. I mean, just having this conversation alone could be considered controversial. It's like, dude, it's just, we're just two people talking. You can go listen to someone else kind of thing. Right. No, I just, uh, I love my freedom. I, you know, you know, I've got friends that doing what I did, like in certain countries, like once your provisions, uh, it's chosen, like you don't get to change. Like, no, I had a friend of mine, their daughter was in a foreign country and they had to pick their education because there's only X amount of opportunities per year because otherwise they'll be overpopulated. Like think of the attorney issue we have in this country. <laughs> You're like an attorney everywhere now. <laughs> like 90% of the attorneys are unemployed. Like, why are we educating? I'm like, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars does it take to get a law degree? And 90% of them will never get a job. I'm like, but. Or they'll get one client that is it for their whole career. Yeah. So, but no, we, we are blessed with a lot of freedoms and I'm very extremely grateful. And I know the sacrifice my family did to, to provide that for us. So. Yeah. Now we had actually a guest on, she's from India. And she was uh, explaining how in India, they still have the caste system. And she's like, yeah. especially being a woman, she's like, I had no say. So she's like, I was going to have to be a carpenter and run a business. She's like, so I went to England instead. I'm like, why didn't you come to America? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, because I was in the IT industry and it's it, it was neat. Where we live, we live in a hodgepodge. It's, it's, it's kind of like the East Coast San Jose. So we've got cultures and colors and it's you know, my daughters grew up in daycare with, you know, name the country. (laughs) They were probably in daycare with them. And, but it's, it's neat to see, like, you know, when we were in development conversations, you'd have Indian men and Indian women and you, you, and you just see the different cultural, it's it's just fascinating. I I love culture and, and being educated on everybody grows up differently. And everyone has a unique story. 
and I love the uniqueness. I, I really do. I, I just, um, again, I guess we're going down that path again. It's like, you know, how do we get rid of ignorance? We just need to start asking questions and, and, and talking to one another and learning about one another. It's like, ignorance is because we don't know. Like, if you don't ask, how are you going to know? Right. <laughs> You know, and that's, I guess that's where I, I reside in life. And like, I just want to get to know people because I'm, I'm middle America, white boy, (laughs) pretty boring. (laughs) I came from Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, I just, what I was exposed to what I was exposed to, but I I love to learn. I love living where we live because of all the different cultures. You know, it's like, we call Morrisville little India because, you know, Indian cultures, a lot of the families, they, they move their families and moms, dads, grandma, like they all live and Mm -hmm. you go there and it's just, it's just, families everywhere. And it's just kind of, it's, that's not traditional in American families. You don't bring grandma and grandpa in and they live with you. You know, right. it's just, it's just, yeah. It's kind of cool it's, though. I, I love learning about that stuff. But also those families like live longer and are usually happier. Um, I think mean, there's the, the stereotypical, like the Indian father sending their kids to boarding school. I've had a few guests come on to like, that's boarding school is like a death sentence. They're like, just don't go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how did you get into podcasting? You know, I've always wanted to do it. Um, now, like after a year of doing this, I realized, because I was scared of the Twitter mobs and the cancel culture. And I'm like, oh, they're going to take my job away now that I'm doing this. I'm like, dude, that's free advertising. Let them curse your name. So. So then yeah. what? what's your primary stream of revenue? I mean, obviously, is this like, how does podcasting fit into to Josh? So I currently work a night shift job at a local grocery store. Um, And um, I just started this um, actually back in December, 2020, I got COVID all my, all the managers knew the crew coming in had COVID, but it was inefficient. So they're not going to hold them back and took out the whole store. I was convulsing on the floor, pretty much having seizures and they're all yelling at me to keep working. (laughs) Nice. So that's when I realized like, no, I will not be stuck like on the floor shaking like a dog. I said, if I'm going to be working for someone, they're going to be paying me a handsome sum kind of thing. And that was the day I just that Once I got over COVID like you, then I just set it up and went from there. Haven't looked back. Cool. So are you still working at nights or? Yeah. Yeah. But now it's gotten to the point, like they all know it's just a matter of time. Something's going to hit and I'm just going to be like, all right, bye. Yeah. So are you doing coaching or anything like that? Or what else? Are you that's doing? actually one thing a lot of people have been telling me to get into also. That's where I was kind of interested to pick your brain on it. Because yeah. um, as I've talked to different people, I realized what I do best is. Um, so I, I'm actually taking this from a guest. He teaches the traditional servient leadership, like military. He's like, except extreme, no extreme punishment kind of thing. And he's like, you facilitate for the people and that is the best leadership. And I just, ever since that one person, I'm like, that's right. Cause like when I ever lead a team it's what can I do for you? Not what can you do for me kind of thing. Yeah. And so it's just teaching others. It's, it's, it's sad to say a lot of American business owners still don't realize their employees are the greatest asset and they treat them like shit. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. There's a client I work with and, um, on my journey, you know, we were always told, you know, the client's always right. And mm-hmm. I've, I've had a large shift in the last couple of years that if you make your employees right, <laughs> the clients will always be happy. Right. You know, it's yeah. like, how do I, what tools do I need to put in my team's toolbox, tool bag to be successful? And if I empower them and have their back, they'll go out of their way 
to empower and satisfy the client. Oh, 100%. When my uh, guest, he does the charting. It's weird how he collects the data, but he can show you on charts how your employees are doing and like the morale and all that. But he's even told me during one of the interviews, he's like, I actually have to yell at my employees because they're working off the clock off on the thing. And he's like, that's great. I appreciate you love working on your own time, but you're going to get me in trouble now. <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> you need like, to go home. <laughs> yeah, he's like, either bill me and keep working or just go home. That's funny. That is funny. That's what I told him, like, let's well, see, you wouldn't need my services because you've, you've figured it out through your trial and errors. But that's where he said, oh, I could tell you from my list of clients, they still treat their employees bad. And if they're having a bad day, they don't even recognize it. It's like, oh, you're here. Here's your money. Get to work kind of thing. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, that's our programming, right? Mm-hmm. We Like a lot of people, what I learned on my journey is that in the womb to age seven, we're programming our unconscious behavior, right? And, and 95% of our daily behaviors on repeat from yesterday. Oh, yeah. Them from the unconscious programming that was programmed by the age of seven. You know, so a lot of my clients, they'll bring to me a problem. I said, would you trust the seven-year-old version of yourself making the decision right now? They're like, no. I'm like, well, why are you? <laughs> you haven't taken a look at the programming, the strategies and behaviors that your parents have given you that you've decided to use the rest of your life and you want to point fingers at everybody else. It's in between your ears. It really <laughs> is. <laughs> it really is. Um, the the funny thing with that, I like I'm recently on a, a journey to I um really long sad story short. Essentially, I was misdiagnosed schizophrenic. I was put on some heavy drugs at like eight, and uh, so most of my life I couldn't tell what was real and what was dream. Ooh. So it was confirming their theory I was schizophrenic kind of thing. And uh, recently, when I got to the site I'm at working at, uh, I had to get a new medicine and like medical and all that. And essentially, very professional Indian doctor wouldn't say a bad word, said, hey, Josh, uh, do you remember the doorknob coming in? It's very unique. It has a very specific pattern. I'm like, no, I don't even remember touching it. He's like, that's abnormal. You should be, re- you should be able to remember at least that doorknob. He's like, how long have you been on this shit? Immediately, it just went, oops, I need to go cold turkey today. <laughs> so that's crazy. So you were misdiagnosed? Pretty much. It was, you know, well, you would know the system. The doctor's only given like 15 minutes to get to know a problem. So I yeah. was ADHD kid, which ADHD itself is not bad. No. But I would be happy playing in the corner and suddenly I'm in the corner crying because I broke something and then I'm giddy doing something else somewhere else. And so he's like, he's schizophrenic. Here's some meds. Oof. So yeah, I'm recently, I've been clean like two and a half years. Um, and that's where <laughs> the, the seven-year-old, I wouldn't trust anything he would say. Cause he was dragged <laughs> out. He's seen like Satan come out of the wall and be like, Oh my God, why is he here? Why is he melting? <laughs> so, have you experimented with any like psychedelics or anything like that? Yes, I have actually. Um, that's awesome. what helped me, um, rebuild, um, connections. Uh, perfect. And like a super small dosing, like at worst, like five milligrams. Yeah, no, I had a, a, a buddy, friend and client. We were trying to do some NLP work and he ended up doing um, some therapy with microdosing to try and get through some of his childhood traumas with tremendous successes, you know? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I have not had the 
ability to explore psychedelics, but I've had clients with DMT and psilocybin and shrooms and, and um, ayahuasca, there's all these types of journeys. Um, oh, yeah. You know, I've, I'm a, I've been following Dr. Joe Dispenza and the most recent, what was the CIA documentation release? And I'm going to go woohoo here, but the, Ooh, uh, I like it. The gateway process. Have you heard of that? I've heard the name. What is it? It's uh, it was a military program back in the eighties that they, um, what was that movie? Staring at goats. Oh yeah. Basically they had a special, um, special unit in the army that learned how to do the gateway process to do uh, quantum leaping. They could actually leap from their body through quantum meditation and explore remote areas of our enemies during war times. It's called the that's cool process. though. Yeah. It's, it's quantum leaping. It's, it's learning how to leave the body. Joe Dispenza talks about it in his meditations, and I've been studying him for a while, but getting into a meditative state. So if you think of our brain, it goes Delta theta. So beta alpha theta delta. So Delta's deep sleep. Theta's are our, our REM sleep, right? So through theta, we can connect with quantum. So quantum atoms don't exist. When atoms don't exist, time doesn't exist. Interesting. So quantum hopping allows you to get into a meditative state to hop the body. I, I know a lot of people would use ayahuasca and psilocybin and stuff like that too. But we produce our own DMT. And I, you've probably heard Joe Rogan talk about DMT. Oh, he loves that stuff. It's hysterical. Yeah. Some well, of the story he talks about is hysterical too. We can go conspiracy theory, right? Because apparently... Our pineal gland creates its own DMT and Joe Dispenza has got a meditative process to, to spark your own Interesting. Um, okay. pineal gland to trigger your own DMT. But you know what uh, calcifies your pineal gland? DMT? Fluoride. What's that? Is that the toothpaste stuff? Stuff that's in our toothpaste and in our drinking water. Who was the first person to introduce fluoride into the drinking water? The Nazis in World War II. Wow. So, okay. I can't stop brushing my teeth then. So yeah. Fluoride calcifies your, your pineal gland. Pineal gland releases your own DMT, which is basically they call it your God gene, your connection to the quantum space of creation. Interesting. And that was the gateway process. They learned how to connect with, but they want us to do it because they don't want you guys to know how you can control your own life. Right. Right. <laughs> God forbid <laughs> you take control of your own actions. And responsible for your own creation. Right. No, that that's it's really funny because a lot of uh people I talk to, they're like, wow, you like you were super, you like you had everything going against you. Now you've like kicked down the wall and the world's your oyster. I'm like, well, it was a hellish like 26 years to get to that point. I love Cinderella stories though. The comeback, comeback's yeah. always awesome. The but, underdog. Uh, <laughs> seriously. The the interesting though I was uh, thing about talking about the the theta I want to pick your brain on that too. Sure. Um, one of the things I was talking to one of my uh, coworkers at a different site, and she's really into like Wiccan and tarot cards and all that. But um, I was telling her I said yeah ever since I was a young kid meds and no meds I still see it it's like I could kind of see like a you know heat waves on a really hot California day you yeah. see it in the air. Um. I said, I could see like a silhouette of a human, nothing clear, but I could see it and nothing clear again. It just be more like a wind of a whisper. I could hear like, um, I said, the weird thing is like, I could kind of like talk to them 
I said, I just thought it was the drugs, but recently I'm like, I've been, I've been cleaning. It's like, nope, I can still do it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious. Is that, would you be in good theta to get to that point? Yeah. I think we're all born with different gifts. Um, you know, I had a buddy and I, we, we sit down and I, and I love studying um, Nikola Tesla and Albert Einstein and, oh, yeah. and, you know, even Elon Musk. And, and I love the first principle thinking and, you know, even Nikola Tesla was, he was leaps and bounds ahead of his time. Uh, well, I was listening to Joe Dispenza this morning talking about uh, Einstein came out of a meditative state and with E equals MC squared. And he just wrote it on the board and was like, yeah, this is it. And they're like, well, how do you know? He goes, I don't know the math. You guys do the math. This is what I was told. Mm-hmm. So it, it, they're visions, right? So I, I think that theta state is connection with quantum or connecting with a God gene, whatever it is. I think we can create something from nothing if we shut up and we listen long enough. But we're we're so in tune with ego to protect the body that we can't be quiet enough to to find that connection. Those other those other realms, right? There's like the fourth and fifth and sixth dimension. You know, a lot of us that fourth dimension is what time, right? So yeah, I think yeah. it's time, but like we can only perceive it as in the third dimension, I believe. Yeah. So it's I. I don't know. I don't have the answers. And I, I know scientists are constantly trying to prove it, but I know there's a lot of stuff out there that we can't see that probably does exist. I don't know what that is. Like when I try and walk people through my, I do an energy leadership index and it's just the levels of energy for which we have internal conversations and, and how we're influenced based on our, our lenses to which we experience life. Right. And that level seven is connecting with source, God, creator, whatever it is, being able to create something from nothing. Um, and, and a lot of times people have difficulty embracing that philosophy. And I'm like, Hey, are, have you ever logged on to Wi-Fi recently? Oh yeah. All the time. I on it right now. Yeah. Can, can you see it? Can you, can you tell me how it works? Can you feel it? Yeah. Electricity. And I know you can see the results like the lights on, but can you, can, can well, you see? Say, if, if see, can you, you can see it, but you don't want to feel it. <laughs> Yeah, so I think there's a lot of things that we don't know, and, and we will be on this planet and not know. Um, you know, we can all go woo-hooey, but you know, you know, again, you talked about coaching. I think a lot. The further woo-hooey we go, the the disconnect from who we are and what we're trying to accomplish. A lot of us will try to find ways to. I mean, you talked about tarot cards and all this other stuff. That stuff's great. Like, yeah, it's interesting. It's it's interesting. But at the end of the day, what I, you know, you know, and I think Dr. Joe talks about this too. He's like, you know, three lives ago, I was murdered on a, on a ship of whatever. Great. But what do you want right now? Like you're in this body on this planet, you know, what is it? January 14th, 2022, what established success for you today? And what tools do you need to do that? A hundred percent. You know, a lot of people want to, and I call it time traveling. Oh, three lives ago. Why do we need to go back three lives? Like what's, what's, what's yeah, not what's satisfying right now that we have to go back in time to go forward in time to get like, what do you want? And that's, right. I'll, I'll tell you what, 90% of my clients can't tell me what they want. Well, okay. Most of us are not taught to figure that out though. Right. We're not given those tools. Yeah. It, it's. See, I'm going to say you can see it. There's just the whole pile of books I've just been going through. And now I prefer my books audio, but that's just one thing as I'm consuming all this knowledge, I'm like, oh, this, this is literally not taught or we don't know about it. No. 
And what I think I heard you saying is when you see these, I think I'm hearing you say you see auras, you, you have yeah, the ability to see people's energy resonance, you know, and, you know, I'll, I'll dive, I'll dive in with you right now. So I was through a lot of my training, I did some intuitive coaching and I'm an engineer. So I was, a lot of it was woohoo-y and, you know, tarot card, like, great, that, this is cool. But, but how does that impact the now? And I was told through the whole journey, we're beings of light, beings of light, beings of light. And I'm like, what does that mean? Right. And then I was listening to another, it was a podcast or it was a a TED talk or something about frequency waves. Like our atoms resonated on frequency wave for its density, right? It's the vibration the molecules resonate at, which provides its density. You know, skin is soft, metal's hard. What has to be present for something to vibrate at a frequency wave? Albert Einstein equals MC squared. The derivative of light. So atoms must ride a light wave to vibrate at a frequency level to maintain its density, to maintain its existence. So for the longest time, I couldn't couldn't make the connection of beings of light. It's like, oh, my atoms and molecules vibrate at a frequency wave on a beam of light for me to exist. I'm a being of light. What I say is energy because light is a type of energy too. Yeah. So you see the vibration, like you're seeing the aura, you're, you've got that, mm-hmm. that ability to connect. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who's autistic, I think she has a lot of those gifts as well. She sees things. She'd be like, daddy, do you see? I'm like, I don't, but if you do, tell me about it. Explain right. it to me. You know, it's like, but then I also have to help her. It's like, but we are here in this world, in this existence. <laughs> you might be seeing another timeline. That's great. But we're here. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I love those explorations. Like I've got tons of friends, ayahuasca done their journeys, the DMTs, and, and I love hearing about it. You know, what did you learn? What did you see? People talk about aliens or whatever. Great. <coughs> whatever you, whatever story you need, whatever your experiences was, what did you learn from it? How does it contribute to what you're trying to accomplish right now? Oh, hundred percent. The the main thing that, that put me on the, the path where I'm at um, is was actually I was in Idaho for like a month and a half. Interesting story. I kind of was just left for the last half of the month, but um, I ran out of my heavy prescription pills and that's where I realized, oh, I don't actually need this. I mean, it was perfect situation. It was like, look at the draw. I was in a farm in the middle of nowhere in Idaho. So even if I went crazy, who am I going to hurt kind of thing? And there was no cows or so it was just perfect. I, I detox there and um, it, it was tragic in the moment, but essentially I got home, went to my instructor I re-upped the dosage and all that. And uh, I got very, it was one of the pills was anti-seizure side effect, antidepressant. Okay. So essentially my brain was going really slow. They were like, oh, he's really slow. We'll give him, I think it's like, it was Wilbuchin, Topamax, and Vivant. So one of them was like a mood amplifier. So I'm slow, really emotional. And then they're like, we'll give him Vivant, which is legal speed. Oh. So I was emotional. My instructor, awesome, passionate man, got me really hyped up and I crashed. Yeah. It was, no, literally crashed my car into a lady. It was like that last second, my brain. Um, have you seen um, Sherlock Holmes were, uh, with Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah. I the first those. one where he's sister, he plays the whole thing out before he yes. does it. So that was me. I said, okay, if I go straight, I'm going to kill this woman. If I go hard right yes i'm still gonna hit the car but i won't hurt anyone and then it was like the one two i just grabbed my wheel and turned it as hard as i could and hit the back of the car 
by God or whatever, that was the one day the mother left her child with her grandmother, her mother. I would have killed the child. So it was just one of those. I'm like, I'm glad I listened to my intuition and did that. Yeah. It's funny when I, when I heard you say in the very beginning, when you were a kid as an ADD and hyped in one and then over crying in the corner, what I heard was an extremely intuitive and empathetic child Mm -hmm. didn't understand where your energy started and stopped. And that crying could have been other people's energy, not knowing that is this mine? Is this theirs? Right. You know, I, I deal with a lot of empathetic, intuitive people that, that, you know, that's one thing I've worked with my daughter, Kennedy, is being able to read energy in a room. Where does yours start and stop? Where do theirs start and stop? You've walked into a room before. You're like, ooh, feels yucky in here. Oh, yeah. Come to find out there's an asshole in the corner, you know, and it's like, ooh, that's his, not mine. Ooh, yeah. Take that back. So it's we're not taught that either. It's like... <laughs> I think I was a very intuitive, empathetic. I was a very emotional kid and I wore my emotions on my sleeve. And I, I, I don't think I ever learned how to establish where my feelings started and stopped and how to build boundaries, but, but you can't see it. So, you know, that's, that's not man talk, you know? Right. So suck it up and keep going. Yeah. Suck it up buttercup. I love it. But yeah, that's actually a good point. Cause like there were a few times near the end, I, my, I still hang out with my buddy, but he has bad energy in general. And I realized looking at it was, uh, he's always had it, but I was just oblivious to it. Yeah. Um, but that was one where we were going to a party or something. I immediately, I'm at the door and we're, we're going in. I said, something's wrong. Let's not go. And he's like, all right, Josh, you mean you took us all the way out here. Come to find out there was a lunatic who was drunk, kept running around with a uh, knife. Wow. And that's where my buddy, because he got the text from the person's like, why aren't you here? And then immediately, oh, shit, so-and-so is doing this. And he's like, oh, yeah, my buddy just just like randomly bad vibe. Let's go. Yeah, trust your intuition. We all have it. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's an awesome story. It is. And it was just one of those. Um, uh, we, like we were in Chinatown and same thing. Um, well, this is I was with my, one of my exes. So she was giving me weed. Like indirectly was trying to help me, but I was taking the heavy stuff, so I couldn't. It didn't help, anyways. And I guess we were all gone, like mentally just checked out because of the the edible brownie. Um, the only thing I, I guess I added was uh, I visually thought there was a crocodile in the lobby of a Chinese restaurant, <laughs> <laughs> and there was probably a puffer fish or something. But it probably it turned, turned into an alligator. Turned an alligator for me. But I sort of told him that's the last thing I remember. So we went back to Chinatown to look around. He's like, dude, that's the place. There's there's no alligator. I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, that was a new one. uh, (laughs) I guess we were all lost and it was dark. And I just like intuitively was like, oh, we got to go this way, this way. And because I'm high and happy, I'm trying to steal the little turtles from the Chinese guys. I'm like, bring (laughs) the turtles. Try to throw them down the sewer. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But yeah, I got us home and that's where my buddy's like, whenever he's like, whatever state you are, you're intuitive. We're just going to listen to you. Yeah, man. That's, that's a gift right there. That's a gift. And, you know, I've been trying my, I've been doing my best teaching my daughters, you know, like kind of like the law of manifestation and how to, mm-hmm. how oh, it's, to it's, a, to it's powerful. And um, dude, that, I'm just impressed with both my daughters, just the stuff that they're, Oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, sometimes I'm still doubting it. It's kind of funny. I listen to Dr. Joe every now and then he'll talk about how he's taught his kids and then he'll have a conversation with his daughter and he'll be like, yeah, right. And he goes, wait a minute. I taught her how to do this stuff. She's probably going to do it. And uh, 
but I do the same thing with my daughters. You know, like I, I've learned about it, you know, when they were babies trying to get out of my own crap and, and now they're creating opportunities that I'm like, I, I can't make this stuff up. <laughs> right. You know. The one thing I was joking with a guest because she was super hardcore in the law of manifestation. Law of manifestation. Wow, too fast, Josh. Um, and essentially, she's like, "Oh, you can manifest anything." I'm like, "Well, to an extent." Let's, let's, I said, "I can't manifest a flying pig." Let's be realistic about that. Right. But I'm like, it's one of those though. Yeah, like if I want an opportunity, if I focus on it, like uh, if you're in a car lot and you don't find anything you'll say by the second time i come around there will be a slot right here and you use whatever slot and every time i do it there's always that one yeah yeah i mean opportunities will always present itself and um it, it goes back to the very beginning of the conversation is knowing what you want mm-hmm. you know you know i just wrote a book it's up on my website on how to set up goals but one of the exercises is all the shit you hate Start listing it out. Because when I ask people what they want, they're like, well, I've never been able to really ask for what I want, or I've got, I can have it here in this part of my life, but not here. But if you could list the top five things you hate that's showing up in your life right now, map it across to what, if, if you had what you want, if this was gone, what would you have? Right. So that's kind of one of the steps I use for my clients. It's like, okay, write down the top five things you hate in your life right now, map it across to if this was gone, what would you have instead? That's kind of where you start now. What's the next tool you need to get one of those five things? That's that's good. I like how you laid it out because how I did it for myself, um, it was essentially, okay, what do I hate? So what do I have to do to make it easier so then I don't have to deal with it kind of thing? Yeah. But so yeah, like, okay. I'll say it was just like your five list. Like, what are the five things you need to do to help it out? Yeah. So, like, I'm tired of paying my rent late. Okay. Well, how much is your rent? Fifteen hundred bucks. Great. Why is it always late? Well, because I I need fifteen hundred bucks. Well, how are you paying it now? <laughs> a, a job that I hate. Okay. So you had the job. What do you? How much do you make at that job? If you were to get a new job, could you make that much or more? What would you be doing in that job? How often could you do that job? If you did that job and you enjoyed it and you worked more hours, would you have problems paying your rent? No, go get that job. Right. <laughs> it's but we're so stuck in. I hate it. I hate my job. I'm always paying my rent late. Like you're stuck in that story. It's like okay, first principle thinking. How's this a problem? Like, right. Step it down. And um, yeah. <laughs> and that's one of those. Um, like one of my coworkers, he had trouble with debt. And so it was just one of those, I'm like, I'm, I'm good with my numbers. I, my mom was a banker. So I, uh, well, she works for a bank. Um, and it was just one of those, she was good with numbers, always taught me finances and stuff. So I told them, I'm like, okay, what do you, what do you spend? He's like, oh, I buy everyone little Caesars pizza and wings. And it's about 75 bucks a day. And I'm like, wow, that is like pretty much your whole day's worth of pay for people who just only like you for your food. I said, how about you stop that? <laughs> And then how about you just make your own food? I'm like, obviously, if you're running out, we can go get you some like McDonald's or whatever. But how about you make your own food, save whatever, and just put aside. Talk to me in three months. He comes back. So he was saving for a car. He's like, he had 3K saved up in three months. He had this and this. And he's like, and I paid off all my debt. And I 
I didn't even tell you to pay off your debt. I'm like, how much did you have by chance? He's like, $10,000. I'm like, how much are you making that you could afford all that kind of thing? Right. So yeah. it was just one of those. Um, he finally, he bought his new car and he jokes with me like rough dad jokes, but when no one's around and no one's looking, he's like, seriously, thank you though. Like if it wasn't for you, I would not have gotten that like good car. I'm like, Hey, I'm here to help. Yeah. And that awesome. Yeah. I had a client, same thing. She was just, uh, her story was I'm bad with numbers. I'm like, no, you're not. You don't understand numbers. You haven't developed right. a good, healthy relationship with numbers. Let's, First of all, let's change our language pattern of I'm bad with numbers. Let's start with, I currently don't have a good relationship with numbers. And then right. let's build a healthy relationship. But she was in the same boat. She, We created a process, a strategy. We did some release stuff. We did some NLP work. We structured a game plan. And I was like, you will be out of debt before January 1st. And she's like, I don't know. We created a mantra. I had her doing her, her visualization. We, we cleared out all the baggage. We established... We mapped out on the numbers. Basically, you know, it was an, it was a painful process. I had an hour interview. Who do you owe? How much? And like, it was almost there's so much guilt and shame because she's got a master's degree. And she's like, well, I should know. I'm like, but stop. <laughs> you block this out because it's painful for you. It's painful. So, you know, we went through that hour process of just putting it down on paper. And I'll tell you what, I bet you 80% of my clients just walking them through, put your stuff on paper right now. But there's so much guilt and shame around why I should know. But then I'm sitting there going, did school teach you how to manage a checkbook? No, they don't anymore. That's the crazy part. They don't. I was like the last. I was the last to learn it. And I was like 2000 when I learned it. Yeah, I've got clients and and they'll see my proposal. And sometimes there's sticker shock. And I'm like, look, I'm like, I'm I'm not going to bring on the client telling me you can show me your P&L. Because first of all, I don't want you to make a decision that I'm going to be the end all be all save you from this problem. I want you to show me that you have an understanding of your money and one that you can afford me and know that our relationship together is going to put more money in your bank. Right. I don't want you to hell Mary, Jesus, I'm going to hire Dave and he's going to fix all my problems. No, you're going to fix your problems. I'm just going to help you navigate it. I'm just but going to I need the guy. You, yeah. But but I, you'd be surprised how many people don't have a valid PL, don't understand fixed and variable expenses, don't, you know, they don't profit margins. I mean, this is the one thing I actually had um, this one guy from UBS. He's like essentially the CEO of the, the American area for the uh, branch. And that was one thing I told him, like, even in school, I said, I was lucky with my mother being the, the financial lady that she is. She taught me the basics of cash flow, the profits and all that. But I'm like, they don't teach you a basic um, P&L sheet or like a cash flow sheet at work. Uh, sorry, at school. Like, they don't, if they just taught us the basics of a, like a cash flow sheet, just a cash flow, so many of us could actually like do things in life. We, yeah. We're not taught that. Well, I mean, I've gone a step further with my clients now. We're, I mean, I even did it for myself. It's, um, it's, it's load balancing. Mm-hmm. Like if I want to make X amount of money, say for example, I want to make $500,000 next year. I got to take my products. How many of my products do I have to sell to make 500,000? Now, how much time does it take for me to fulfill those products and I'm like, oh shit, for me to make 500,000, I got to work 60 hours a week every week for 52 weeks. 
Mm-hmm. That's not going to work. <laughs> so it's it's load balancing your product, service, or solution. You know, it, can you? Is it sustainable? Is it workload balance? So, not just a cash flow, but for your products and services, can you deliver? That's a that you know we're going deeper down the, the rabbit hole, but a lot oh, of people yeah. are like oh a million dollar business. Well, what does that take really? Oh, you're gonna need a team a, at that point, or you're gonna have to like charge a shit ton of money, right? So yeah, it just depends. You know, it, it's um, yeah. I forget where I was going on that, but but yeah, the, the load balance, the actuarial table in regards to what's the products. You know, like even I've got some clients, they're like, yeah, well, you know, we made $300,000 last year. What was your profit margin? What do you mean? We, we, we built out 300,000. I'm like, how much did you keep? <laughs> how much did you pay your employees? How much did you pay your, your products, your services, your marketing? Like what's your operating expenses? You know, but now we're talking PNL again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, that's another one where it's like, it's amazing that there's a lot of business owners that just don't know that. And it's like, how did you go into business again? <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm working with a business development manager right now. He's running a sales team and he's got a bunch of young guns all under the age of, of 30. Okay. And, um, and, you know, software service sales and half the kids maybe work 15, 20 hours a week. Right. right. <laughs> and his first question to them is like, what's your comp plan? They're like, I don't know. Well, what's your quota? Well, if I get this and I get to keep my job, but it was like, if you, he just basically took two hours and broke down the comp plan. And if they each put an additional hour in a day, these kids would be making three, $400,000 a year. Mm-hmm. But they didn't take the time to break down their comp plan to see how much time would be involved to invest in putting in a little bit of effort. And they're chasing like two grand a week and they could be making 10, 20 grand a week. <laughs> oh, yeah. With an extra hour worth of work that's intentional. Well, I'm just curious, what would that be? Just like cold calling or email? Yeah, a lot of them is just, yeah, filling out their funnel, cold calling, being structured. A lot of times it's learning the product. What's the problem you solve? Like most people that are in sales, they don't they don't have a true belief that their product, service, or solution is going to solve a problem. So that's hard to sell. Then you're selling Eskimo, ice to an Eskimo, right? It, it feels dirty. <laughs> the success rate is going to be pretty crappy. Um, yeah. Sales can- is fascinating to me. I love that whole journey through sales oh know? yeah and that was uh for me my martial arts instructor um i was i graduated high school in 2011 so i started working for him in 2012 and so he pretty much i was 18 lived with my parents like i didn't have to worry too much about bills so i just would hop on the bus go out to claremont in california be with him for like five six hours and that was the one thing i i realized now and i've told him i'm like you taught me to literally know how to sell rice to an Asian man kind of thing. Right. And it was just one of those, I told him like, these are one of the skills. I don't even know how to thank you for it. Kind of thing. He's like, well, pay me my monthly bill and we're good to go. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was like, for me, I was, this is why I picked the empathy and um, intuition because how I picked my clients, um, my instructor was the entrepreneur, get going boy, like the old school coach, like slap you on the ass, get in there, kick their ass kind of thing. And, uh, but I was, I would more would focus on someone like your kids where I could actually sit there, see where they're at and teach them. And it was one of those, um, 
I always remember one of the kids, like my instructor was like, okay, well, you want an hour for X amount of time. Um, it would be like $600. And they're like, okay, well, after like a week of that, they're like, no, we want double that. So he's like, okay, well, that's like a thousand dollars. And they're like, it's worth it for Josh. He's helping so-and-so so much that like their kid, I forgot the name that. And recently that was like 10 ish years ago. My instructor told me, oh yeah, someone's let's call it Jimmy. Jimmy, uh, parents called. He's functioning normal. He can actually like talk to girls and not be weird now. He can hold the job all because of your lessons like 12, 13 years ago. Not crazy. Right? right? And which is yeah. one of those I jokingly told him, I'm like, I'm now at that point, like I'm getting to the point I can actually hold a job and talk to people too. But I'm just great <laughs> that I could help him back then when I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, it's 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 mind blowing to reflect on how many people have random thoughts about you on a daily basis. It is, you know, there. You know, I had like my little god brother. Like I babysat him when I was a little kid, and and now he's a dad. What you know, husband and kids, and my daughter's in softball. His daughter, his son's in baseball. But he's like, do you remember that time? when you told me don't cry wolf story when you were babysitting me, I was like, I kind of do. He's like, wow. And this was like five years ago. He's like the impact that story had on me. Cause he was kind of crying wolf and like I was babysitting him. He's supposed to be doing something. He was making some bull crap up, but it was just like, it's that moment in time. Like I was maybe 14 years old <laughs> and here I am 50 this year. He's in his forties and he's telling me the story that I told him when he was probably seven or eight and i'm like what I didn't how know many, I, yeah how many of those have happened yeah we'll, we'll never hear it though like yeah. i was it was i was lucky because they had my instructor's number to say like pass it along to him but yeah how many people are we helping and we just don't even know it but that comes back to the energy we're all connected you feel it there's mm-hmm. moments where you're kind of down you're like oh you kind of go inward. You're like, oh, wait, no, I do have value. I do have purpose. I have made an impact. And it's just because, yeah, it's weird. We're all just vibrating molecules. <laughs> We're all beings in a flesh suit. Pretty much. You know. Um, with the, so with the martial arts with my instructor, we did a, like a, a big Catalina trip. The, a lot of the instructors got drunk, but that was just for them. Um, but the a actual Buddhist monk from China came out very good English. So it was not like we're trying to understand the the different dialects, but they paid whatever amount to the monastery to have him for a session for like five hours. But it was, so we were doing our seminar and it was in between, it was like a 30 minute break. So I'm, I'm like seven, eight feet off. I'm not there. And it's, there's a beach. So like the waves, like drowning out a lot of what he's saying, but the biggest one I caught, he said, for us Buddhists, we don't believe in a God. We believe essentially in a dragon. There's a dragon in all of us. Now, will you feed your dragon good or do you feed your dragon bad? And I'm like, and I sat there, I'm like, immediately put it, oh, it's like the wolf analogy for Native American Indians. I'm like, so then that's where, then they try to yell at me. But essentially he said, see, now you're giving bad energy to your dragon. So you're hurting his dragon. And then they're both like, fine, Josh, you can't have the tea, but you can sit next to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
but that, that's that's always stuck with me because I'm like, that's, I've always had that intuition. I'm like, what you put out, like manifestation, it will come back. So hold, try to put as much good out as you can. Yeah. Well, it's it's also under understanding energetic magnetism, right? Whatever you believe to be true, you're right. Yep. Yeah, and that's what I try to tell people. I was like, listen to your language patterns. You know, I, I was on a podcast last week and, and one of my comments was, I love the saying, sticks and stones might break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Oh. I, said, I said, but language patterns have emotional meaning to you. The hurt can be derived by you, the listener, in the meaning you're making of the words that were spoken. So, no, in the, at the end of the day, we're all meaning-making machines. Who makes the meaning? We do. There is no meaning. It's all made up. It's not real. <laughs> but whatever word is spoken to you, if there's an emotional trigger, you make the meaning of it. You choose your, that's feeding your dragon, as you would just say, right? Right. Yeah. Um, like for me, uh, with the, the different reading and the, the catching myself, the one thing I realized when I was younger, again, I didn't know the energy. It was actually a bad guy I was always hanging out with. It wasn't my, my high school buddy, but it was like, because I felt the energy, I started amplifying and I started doing what he did. So people were like, oh, you're a monster. You're scary. I also had really, really crooked teeth. I'm straightening them out as we're the aligners. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That, that's been one of them, but they would say, oh, you're a monster. You have crooked teeth. You're going to bite everyone's throat out. Like you're mean. And for the longest time, it was like, I heard it, but it was just kind of like I brushed it off, but it got to the point. It was too deep of a stain and I started believing it. And then it was like for a long point in my life, I thought it was the monster. No one would like me. No one would love me. And now looking back, you fulfilled it. You are it's, exactly what you dude, said. We are powerful manifestors. Like whatever we be to, we believe to be true, you're right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had my awakening moment was my daughter wasn't diagnosed autistic until she was nine. Okay. So I had nine years to gather more evidence that I was a piece of shit parent, piece of shit person. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, I was a horrible student. You know, I, I had a reading level of second grader, my junior in high school. So they were like kicking me out of school. I was not a good student, but I loved to learn. I love to figure out how stuff works. Like I was like that curious car stereo installations. I was the car stereo guy back in <laughs> okay. high school. I knew how to build cabinets. I could tune them. I knew math. I knew I could build shit, but have me do a thesis breakdown of a, of a Shakespeare. And nah, I ain't happening. Like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't get it, which is funny because now I got a master's in neurolinguistics. So language patterns and programming. Right. But it's what interests you. That's the key with ADHD though. Yeah. So um, I forget where I was going with this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There <laughs> uh, were linguistic masters that you couldn't write things. Yeah, I was just, I was a horrible student and I forget. Um, I lost it. Must not have been that important. <laughs> well, then I'll add in one for you. So my, one of my um, teachers, um, because, so I was put in, it wasn't the mainstream where the, the severely down syndrome people would go. Yeah, like secluded, but I wasn't. I wasn't fully main uh, mainstream in that, like the where everyone else was, um, the the normal people, which I realize are just sheep now. But um, so I was that awkward middle, and I was always that awkward middle. And one of my teachers, uh, my dad works still at the school district that I went to school at, 
um, they saw my sticker on his bottle and they're like, Oh, how is he doing? He's like, Oh, he's, he actually has held a job now for like three years. Cause even back then I would job bounce like crazy. Um, and he's like, yeah, he started a, a podcast. Cause he's, even though he's introverted, he loves talking to people. And she's like, we all talk about him still. And I'm like, like, what are they, what did I do back then? To, like they had to talk about me. Was I that bad of a person? But um, I guess it was like a lot of people, just me being me, um, shifted. And I've even told them. And that's this, coming back to the whole energy thing. I'm like, I'm just trying to have a fun time and not hurt people. Right. It's simple. Yeah. I know what I was going to say now. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. So my daughter wasn't diagnosed autist- autistic until she was nine. So it was right around she was four. My second was born. I hated my job. I, I was, I was fat. I was miserable. And I was just, I grew up on a house with a lot of level one energy, right? A lot of that victimhood. We can't because of our circumstances. And, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, for example, I just got, I had a client call before us and he grew up in a, in a trailer. So his belief was I will never have money. And then about a year ago, he got pissed off and frustrated. He got laid off and then just dug into the crypto books. And now he's got a huge crypto portfolio. And he's like, he's like that bullshit. Money. He's like that bullshit story I told myself that living in a trailer, I'd never be wealthy. He goes, fuck them. <laughs> like I just put my head to the books. And I'm like, I love it, man. I absolutely love it. But the point I was trying to get across is I was bitching and complaining. And a guy turned around and he goes, dude, your life sucks because of your best thinking. I was like, what? He goes, you're lost. He's like, let me make it easy for you. Your life sucks because of you. And I was like, I was like put off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, it's your programming, bro. It's hot. The lens through which you see the world, it's your view of the world. If you say it sucks, you are right. Go think on that. And that's that kind of kicked me in on my ass in my journey. It's like, ooh, I got to quit bitching and start owning. It's, I can make it my mom and dad's fault all day long, or I can put my big boy pants on and go figure out how this stuff works. Oh, a hundred percent. And uh, now that was a, that was a rough day. And when I, oof, I'll never forget that day. Your life sucks because of your best thinking. What am I an idiot? <laughs> yes. All of the above. <laughs> um, I'm just curious. How long do I got you for? As long as you want, man. I got a call at three 30 okay. um, East coast time, but um and did you have a format or like, this has been an awesome conversation. I just, I love organic talks. Cause you know, I, I like this go. too. There's some like, they, they ask for questions and I do it, but I like these more personally. I learned the most at least. Yeah. So what are you trying to achieve? Like, so you got a podcast, you're always like anti-social, a little weird, um, not in mainstream education class. Like you seem like a pretty normal, well-educated, well-tempered human being. Like, yeah. What's, yeah. what's, what's your purpose? What's your goal today? Not today, but in general, in general. Um, so the biggest one, and I actually have been talking to my instructor about this. Um, I've always had a good intuition of patterns. So that's why I've been trying to learn the stock market to make money off it too. Um, and help me. But one of them, that's where he told me, he's like, like the analogy with the kid earlier um, that they went from like 600 to a thousand plus is he's like, you're good. He's like, he joked and said, you're a kid at heart. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to grow up, but my inner kid's starting to realize I need to do some adult things so I can do the fun stuff later on. Yeah. But, 
but I said, yeah, I, I don't want to grow up. If I could, I'd go like traveling the world <laughs> kind of thing. But um, he said, you should be helping kids. And I said, okay, there's one problem with the internet. The moment you say you're trying to help a kid directly, they consider you a pedophile or like predator. <laughs> I said, how about I go with for the parents to indirectly help the kids? And he's like, ah, okay, that works. I said, but he said in general, he's like your business though. Um, he asked me a lot of insights for, he has clients now asking him, he's like, like, give me a week. I'll ask the kid on Wednesday. But a lot of them have been asking insights. And I'm like, I told him, I don't even have a business. What like, I don't feel like I have authority to tell them what to do with their business. And he's like, dude, your insights though. It doesn't matter if you ran a business. The, he's like, some of them are happy that they're just going through me. Cause they're afraid they're going to have to charge, get charged like a thousand to $2,000. I'm like, Really? Oh wait, what's their number? I want, I want to contact them. <laughs> but yeah, that's awesome. But that that offhanded comment, he's like, they're actually happy going through me for coaching advice. Um, but yeah, that was just the one thing I told him. I'm like, I said, well, I didn't have authority. I don't have authority to coach him. He's like, why? Because I started teaching martial arts at a very young rank. He's like, technically, you were only like three ranks higher than that person that you charged like five hundred dollars. You didn't feel like you were the fake then. I'm like, I was also just <laughs> young, dumb, and just like, please, sir, I do this, sir. Right? Yeah. That, that was my biggest transition into coaching. It's like, who am I? Who's going to listen to me? What authority do I have? And um, NLP kind of locked it in for me. So, like, step one from coaching is associate the client to the problem. Mm-hmm. Step two, disassociate yourself from the problem. <laughs> Don't jump in with them. Just pull out your bag of popcorn and how's that a problem? How's that a problem? You know, right. as soon as it's we like, get in a problem with them, then then we're fixing the problem for them and they need to fix it themselves, right? At, at the end of the day, you're just the guide. You know, and that's that's what's been very empower, empowering for me because I I love to learn and it sounds like you're a naturally curious, inquisitive human being. Yes. And and the more curious, and I've got a friend of mine, he's like, I don't know how you do it. You have a way of telling me I'm an asshole and I want to give you a hug at the same time. Cause I ask stupid, obvious questions. Like, cause when people are in their problem, they're in their shit. Right. And I, I, I ask really obnoxious questions to people I have good rapport with. And right. they're like, <laughs> like, yeah, you're being an idiot right now. Seriously right now, man. Like, but you know, that's just the type of humor I have. But step one is associate the client to the problem. Step two is disassociate yourself help disassociate them, reframe the problem, release any negative energy. And then what's the next step? Oh yeah. That's, that's coaching in a simplistic to most simplistic way. And I don't see that applies to the same thing when I was teaching kids how to punch. It was okay. What is the problem that's holding them from doing it correctly? How do I address it without seeming weird? And then how do we get them to accept it and then move on? You know, and you were talking about sales earlier Every conversation is a sales conversation. It is. It it really is. And um, the 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 head instructor that taught my my instructor how to do martial arts. He's the one that like owns the whole system. Makes stupid money every year. But um, there was one where he even like pre. There was a funny thing with my second degree black belt. I essentially flopped at the end. But he told me because of your sheer grit and willing not to quit, even though like your body's completely gone, he's like, that's something that can't be taught. That is just in you. And he's like, that is a second degree black belt. He's like, 
but I do want you to know your forms though. So <laughs> kind of like I'll pass you, but you got to show me some forms later on kind of thing. Dude, that's awesome. That's but, awesome. but that was the one thing um, afterwards. Um, he again, passed it through my instructor to me said, um, cause I, I remember we were, when we were first starting the test, he said, Oh, I remember you. He's like, yeah, I made a thousand bucks off you. He's like the black belt just got his, um, his black belt. And I knew you're Alan student. That's my instructor. And he's like, so I just bet a thousand bucks cash right there. Pretty much what I earned for the day that you, a just turning a, whatever, like green belt is going to whoop his ass. And, uh, I said, why would you bet that? I'm just curious. Why did you do it? He said, well, first of all, you were vicious. But he's like, also, you were willing to change. He wasn't. Mm. And that, that that's now like deeper. I'm like, oh, that's true. It doesn't matter if it's fighting or not. I am willing to adapt to whoever that person is. Yeah. And I was like, that was it. He's like, you also, your fighting style is really, really aggressive. <laughs> you overwhelmed yeah. them quickly. Wow. You had an amazing journey. Like, uh, I just, uh, I don't know if you hear the power and the learnings in your journey, just recognizing like your empathy and intuition and being basically put in jail for what, 20, 15 years? I was, um, 18. Oh no, sorry. It was eight when it started and I was 20, 29 now. So like 25 ish. So like roughly like 15, 18 years. Wow. And, but having that gift, but having it locked up, having successes, but not the ability to even identify it's a success. Yeah. That's, that's one thing as I'm like, looking back, I I can now like adjust it and NLP it better. Yeah. Um, Well, even the absurdity I'm hearing out of your voice that I've held a job, a stable job for three years, like, and not to be disrespectful, but the absurdity in that statement of what makes you believe you can't hold a job for three years. You know what I mean? It's like the the conversation we're having does not dictate someone that's not stable or can't have. And the journey, the experiences, the learning lessons, it's just, wow. What a, what a journey. Like I'm just sitting over here impressed. Thank you. No, it was just the, let's say the correct NLP and the language of that is like I said, I would get a job and maybe, if times get hard, I just quit. Yeah. Because I could, I didn't know. And it was the old, I believe I'm a monster. They're thinking I'm a monster. I'm just going to go kind of thing. Yeah. But um, well, that, that internal self-talk, that negative self-talk, time travel, it's, it's powerful. Oh, it is. Yeah. And that's where um, like now I, I, it's, I have a trading mentor. His name's Ken Roberts. Um, that's how I'm going to, when I get into it, I'm going to, I know I'm going to make money kind of thing. And uh but that's the one thing I said, he has this thing. It says opportunity. Um, it's spelled out opportunity now here, but it's all together. And he says, what's the first thing you say? Well, I already said it. So we all know this now, but when I first read, I said, opportunity is nowhere. And then that's where my mom's like, but it's also opportunity is now here. And I looked at it and I immediately, I was like, Oh, I said, if you have a closed mind, you're going to see what I see. If you have an open mind, you're going to see that one, which that one's better. So I, now I always say there's always opportunities, even if it's finding a penny on the floor, there's always opportunities. So yeah. And that's, that's, we're now adopting that mindset, the more clearing everything. It, it's just, <laughs> it's the weight 
the time game. And I know it's just once it takes off, oh boy, it's going to be like a rocket. And I'm just going to be hanging on for dear life as I <laughs> yeah. go to the top. So I hear you reference, you know, are you doing NLP? Have you taken some NLP trainings at all? Some sort of, sort of. Okay. Um, my mother, <laughs> this wonderful lady in my life, um, she's always said, Oh, that's negative. Stop that, Josh. Stop that. So it was one of those, um, kind of like a dog. She, she wouldn't spray me with water, but she'd be like, stop that kind of thing. Um, and that's just, so I've always had the, okay, if I say something negative, is that a good thing? Think no. And then I would say whatever five times to override it. And, um, Pavlov's dog. Yeah. Which is the foundation of neuro-linguistic programming. Pretty much. And now, like, if um, my mind starts running negative, I'll say, um, or because I, I actually have given up music. It sounds silly. I only listen to it on occasions when it's mostly just, like, Beethoven. Because when I hear the tapeworms of negative stuff, like um, Metallica yes. Unforgiven, oh, my yeah. gosh, that tapeworm gets in there and it keeps repeating. And I realized, oh, if that keeps repeating, I'm going to start repeat. I'm going to manifest that. So when I get the tapeworm, I just add random stuff. Like um, I ad lib whatever in. Cause like, um, I forgot what the song was, but essentially I was saying, um, Oh, it was like my life. Oh, it was the um, take me to church. Take me to church. Like a dog at the shrine of your life or whatever. Yeah. So say, um, take me to church. I'm going to make money. This, this, it's like something positive just to get out of that negative loop. Yeah. Even it doesn't have to totally make sense. Music is is very powerful. Also, it's a, it's a great programming mechanism. You know, I've even noticed like you go on YouTube. There's a lot of like ADHD music, which is basically just I just frequencies. It's just mm-hmm. and there was a test I took online a while ago for it had like 15 questions that asked like your thinking and studying style, and then it predicted the best music you should listen to while studying or trying to learn. But Beethoven kept coming up for me. It's just more of the non-lyrical instrumental tone based with beat that holds your, your, your brain focused. I mean, music is so it's, it's frequencies, you know, it is it's, it's a type of energy. It's, it's frequencies. And, and when we can resonate with a frequency type and, Actually, I'm surprised I'm not doing it today. You must, you must have great energy. A lot of times I'll put frequency music in my earbuds during conversations because it keeps me focused in. And for some reason, I don't have my frequency waves on right now. <laughs> I haven't there needed it. Go. This has been awesome. You got Josh. We're good to go. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, there's always tricks, brain hacks, right? And, um, yeah. So what's... What's your money making idea? Like how long you been doing your podcast? What's your, what's your next steps? So um, I've been doing the podcast officially a year now. Um, and I figure it's like most businesses. I got to, at least for another two years, still do it, just build out my stuff. But obviously if opportunities comes up, if someone wants to sponsor me, I go for it. But just, I, this is the time game now, how I look at it. But I'm looking at options on futures contracts and coaching. Um, like I was saying that more leading with empathy and, uh, um, cause of my well versedness in business. Um, actually one of my mentors said it, uh, I said, well, like, I said the same thing to you, like, what authority do I have? He's like, you know, there's an ice cream shop near you. Right. I'm like, yeah. He's like, they probably been in business 30 years and they've been running negative the last 29 COVID. It was the one that sent them over the edge. They could have done it in her 15 ish years, depending. He's like, you could have come in say, Hey, a thousand bucks. I'll collect all my information. 
and I'll tell you exactly what to do. He's like, how much would you pay for that? I'm like, just a thousand. It sounds like a lot of labor. So maybe like 10 at worst. And he's like, if you could fix their problems and say, this is what you're doing. He's like, then charge them. And that's, that's when it clicked. I'm like, Oh, I am. I am that like kind of tactless guy. It's like, um, I was in college. My dad did not last long either. Um, but one of the woodshop guy, wood, woodshop, what am I doing? Woodshop guys. Um, he was looking at a piece of paper frowning and I'm like, okay, I don't like your frown. What's going on? She so said, something's wrong with the books. I'm like, okay. So I looked it over the paper and I said, um, every three at the end of whatever, it was like every two or three lines and I said, it's off. So recalculate, take off the three, remove it and you should be in balance. And he said, Later on, he pulled me aside because I was going in our class and he said, you just saved us 30 grand. I'm like, I just literally just looked at it and said, you, you messed up here. That's all. That's what I'm good at. Yeah. What I'm hearing is um, the great short. Did you ever see that movie? Yes. Yeah. Where he was like running the numbers and it's like, oh, shoot, we could do insurance here. And the great short. I, I'm hearing a lot of mindset it, it's funny my my wife showed me a picture last night and i've been working with my daughter dylan who's dyslexic she's the one that's doing softball and i could tell you some manifestation stories on that girl <laughs> i'm down her, hit her first home run and, and and we did anchoring sessions and she was on a team and wanted to be on this team and when am i going to be good enough i'm like write it on your board literally three weeks later she was guest playing and asked to join that team and now we're that's awesome. She's going to Tennessee. She's going to Colorado. She's going to Atlanta. Like she's a freshman in high school and already on this. It's a, it's a California team, the firecrackers. Oh, nice. And, um, yeah. So it's, but that's the North Carolina division, but yeah, it's, it's one of those elite when they show up, everyone's like, Oh crap, they're here. And that, she's like, I always wanted to be, she's always kind of been that kid to strive to, like I told you at 10, she won North Carolina state BMX champion for the state. That's against awesome. Boys. And, um, but, uh, I forget where I was going with this. Oh, but my wife showed me a picture last night. It had a picture of three girls and she's like, what's their puzzle pictures. And mm -hmm. right away, my daughter's like, there's eight dudes in the background. It's all the same dude. They all have the same look. Like she's, I've, I've taught her how to like quickly visually identify. So she's like, I'll go to school dad. I'll just take over your business when you're done. <laughs> like she already <laughs> thinks she can do it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Go get some real life experience though, and then we'll come back. But yeah. Yeah. Like once you actually like go out and do the stuff and then realize, okay, I actually do have something, then we can talk. Yeah. So, but I've I've almost at times I'm wondering, I'm like, I'd like to see her get knocked on her butt every now and then because she's she succeeds so much. And I'm like, I just need you to fail every now and then. Right? Just, just not a lot. We don't want to ruin humility. You. Yeah, not enough to like break your your spirit, but just enough to like. Oh, I do got to put some work in every now and then. <laughs> I can't just wave my hands and it's done. And maybe that's not right either. Maybe it should be that easy. Maybe that's my crap. Probably is. <laughs> yeah, probably. I'd say that at least both of us, we've had to work hard. <laughs> so it's like the, oh, I want you to exceed, but you also need to go through my trials. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Kids are fun. Kids yes, are they fun. Are. So... So you want to start your own coaching company? Is that what I'm hearing? Is that Pretty kind much, of yeah. cool? In focusing on what? On uh... the 
um, helping leaders. As I was saying, the empathy, um, your your employees are your greatest asset. So teach them that. And I've gotten very good at marketing. So it's like, if they need marketing strategies, just be like, we could do uh, this, this, and this. Um, and just kind of like all around jack of all trades, but specifically niching down in leadership and helping the entrepreneur help their employees succeed. If they succeed, you succeed kind of thing. Yeah. Awesome. So who would be your client? So I've gotten this question a few times recently, and I've realized it would be more small business owner and well, small to medium-sized business. I I mean, if Coca-Cola calls me, I'm not going to say no, but I'm not aiming that high kind of thing. But it's like, um, just small to medium business owners where they can pivot and it's not going to completely ruin the business. And I can come in and just show them like, okay, this is what's wrong. My biggest example um, I always give. And again, it's one of those, I didn't even think about it. This Southern guy, um, he works for this logistic company. I actually don't work there, so I can say the name. Uh, NFI Logistics. They're in like New Jersey based. Um, I was the security guy that worked for at Allied Universal. And since he knew I was very intuitive, so he just, we'd chat like three, four minutes and then he'd go in and do his thing. And finally, at one point he just pulls up and says, Hey, Josh, the warehouse is suffering. I know you're really observant. Why is it suffering? Why is it like, essentially it was like his baby, how he got where he's making 35 K a month. And I said, Oh, well, cause it's a warehouse. I said, that guy with the prison tattoo with like hell's gates on his throat, um, uh, he pretty much just said to his buddy going in, um, I wish I got in a car crash. That way I could break my legs and not have to come to work for six months. I'm like, so the word morale has more power than what's going on here. Your employees are just done. They're only here for the money. So like they were having accidents left and right, problems here, shipments weren't going on time. And I said, you're, you're a man of success now. He's like, yes, can you afford or the company afford an extra 500 a week? Just 500 bucks gift card and they meet whatever safety quota. It doesn't even have to be production. Just don't get hurt this week. Top five, get $100 kind of thing. And he's like, yeah, I could do that. That's like two steak dinners. I'm like, well, I don't know where you go for two steak dinners. For <laughs> I want to try this place. Next steak dinner you're on, is on you for me. Like, let's right. do it. <laughs> and so- Pretty much then through time, he'd ask me and I say, okay, now like up the ante. Cause I said, they, they got the game. I said up the ante and essentially within like a month, month and a half. Instead they like, let's say the baseline was like 2000 packages an hour. They were suddenly pumping eight to 10,000 an hour and no one's getting hurt. And everyone wanted to come to work. We suddenly got to the point. All the other managers were saying, you were like the one we'd laugh at. Now we want to be you. How did you do it? And he's like, oh, it's just the security guard over there. And that's just, that's always been my thing. Cause then he even offered to pay me out of his own personal pocket. And I, I just sort of jokingly said, oh, like, oh, $10,000. He's like, that's it. Shit. Okay. Here you go. It had to be a check. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and it was, I was closed-minded and i said oh i don't want to deal with the taxes thank you for the offer but and that relationship has proved way more valuable than the ten thousand dollars he gave me but i had it at one point he did pay me i just didn't cash it wow so yeah man you like i said that that's this conversation you've got gifts you're probably aware of but unaware of like like yeah i love your journey i love your story thank you for sharing thank you 
thank you for being here and just kind of being like, okay, a similar path to this is what you should do. Yeah, no, it just, um, we're called at times to do things. And we often don't always hear it. Yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Life, life. There's, there's no instruction manual. That's for damn sure. There's not, you know, I've been married for going on 22 years and I've got two teenage kids and, and, um, the roller coasters, (laughs) the career business too, the the learnings. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, and the, the belief in that, you know, it's like, I, I have very similar to you. Like I always saw things that other people couldn't see, you know, when, when a lot of people interview, I was like, I'm gifted with dyslexia. I'm like, well, what the hell do you mean by that? It's like, I see things that other people can't see. I've had to be more intuitive and empathetic. And I've had to, when I couldn't read instructions, I had to find ways to achieve without traditional methods of communication. I had to, it's almost like the blind guy that can smell and hear <laughs> 10 times yeah. better than everybody else. Right. It's they just can hear uh, like everything, like as if he is seeing, but he's not actually seeing you. But it's the patterns. It's it's the intuition and empathy. What seeing the patterns, um, we make it harder than it is. But the, the the downfall is is I can often see it in others, but can't see it in myself. <laughs> yes. So you know, I, I had a client call before you, and it's in, and he had. A, it's so weird. Coaching is so selfish in the sense that ninety eight percent of my clients I'm two steps ahead of. Mm-hmm. it's like whatever they're going through i just finished or am still going through and it's like we get to go through this shit together okay let's grab our hands let's go but yeah. he was he was sharing with me he was the guy that grew up on a trailer and he's like look um he's like i've always searched out like mentors he goes and no matter how crappy it got i found somebody that had something energetically that i could see and i was like i want that how do i get that you know, he was a golden glove boxer by the age of 12 because nice. he had so much anger and pissed off. He went to some guy. He's like, what do I do? He goes, go hit that bag 500 times with the right hand. Okay. Now do it with your left hand. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like, it's almost like karate kid. It's like wax on wax off because before I know it, I was knocking kids the hell out. You know, I was like, <laughs> because finally some man, some guy saw something in him and just focused his energy in a space that would give him success. And I think, I think us as humans, we're all connected and, oh, yeah. and we, we need to search out that human interaction and connection and support and be like, you know, I think the, the thing I just told him too, I was like, have you constantly surround yourself by a group of people that when you fall down, they all jump on to- top of you until you don't get up? Or do you fall down and you got two dudes over there, one grabbing you by the arm and one kicking you in the ass going, get the F up, get back up here with us. Mm-hmm. Because if you're with the team that jumps on top of you and tells you not to get up, you're with the wrong team. Yes, you are. <laughs> you're, you're with the wrong group. You know. No. And then I've got other people that have come in. It's like, well, I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm like, then you're in the wrong damn room. <laughs> you are. You need to find one where you're just a notch lower than everyone else. That's like because you're not growing, you're you're stagnant. You know, and um, but not everybody has that. You know, I, that's I love this conversation today because I you're on this journey for answers and. You know, another common thing I tell everyone, I said, the destination for all of us is the same. You choose how to get there. My analogy is I say there's a million ways to the top of the mountain. They're not wrong, 
but you might not make it to the top either. <laughs> so, and, the, and there's another one I say, I'll share this with you. There's those that play the game and those that don't. And then there's those that don't even know it exists. I think that's my dog barking. That puts mine. Okay. I'll say my sister's isn't back. So I was like, okay. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, and it's like, if you look at the world today, the rules are constantly changing. And Success quickly. for you needs to be defined and then learn the rules of the game and go play it. hundred percent. And that's where like, for me, like my mentor, that's been helping me figure out like, okay, coaching is not, I pay him like 30 bucks a month. It's, it's super cheap insurance. Essentially we get to call him like this once a week. And then I get unlimited emails and I actually take advantage. And he says like, Josh, I said that more marketing, like unlimited in general, He's like, no one actually emails me. I'm like, well, you should be very clear what you mean for me. <laughs> Careful what you asked for. But well, uh, no. awesome. And that's that's one thing he's even said. Like, you have a talent. He's like, we just need to figure out how to hone it and send it. And funny thing with your uh, boxing guy, um, my <laughs> martial arts instructor essentially picked me up uh, when I was like 13. I like, ironically, like six months earlier, I tried to like take my life and hang myself. I realized now I just choked myself out and just passed out. But um, I was at that point where I was believing the monster. I can't do anything. And he found me and that's where he said, he didn't even try to sell me. He put his funnel cake down in his soda and said, Hey, you, and pretty much grabs my shoulder and drags me. You want to go break someone's arm and I'll teach you how to do it correctly. <laughs> kind of thing. And then I said, ever since the, that's the cheapest because sale you've ever done and he's like no i was just genuinely worried because you he's like i saw a rage behind your eyes that if it kept going like something not good is going to happen so he's like i'm just gonna like put in this bag kind of thing and i told him you literally saved me if you did not pick me up when you did i'd either be strung out somewhere or have jumped from brazil to china to whatever because (laughs) because that is where the money is at kind of thing and I said, no, like you've literally saved me. And he's like, it's really sick. All right. Well, now you got your black belt. Uh, you need to help other people. You need to save other people. I'm like, okay, sir. I'll try my best. That's awesome. That's awesome. But yeah, that's the biggest one I tell him. Like, Cause the same with the boxer. I had a, like a true rage that like you could not quench it. I could punch the bag five, six hours and I was not tired. That's why the, the one instructor bet for me. Cause he's like, you're not going to beat him. He'll figure out something. Right. Problem solvers, you know, and it's, it's, we need a lot of those in the world today. And I think, you know, I, I truly believe energetically and you probably feel this too. There's like a conscious awakening going on. I know there's a lot of chaos and negative out there, but I also think there's a large awakening and energetic. We're get, We're going to need guides, you know, people yeah. how to, how to navigate, as a human race, as we, as we evolve, what's, what's next energetically, right. And how do we have more awareness? Like you're already seeing auras and, and I, you know, my daughter sees things and it's just, um, it's going to be interesting over the next couple of years. It is. I really think there is, you know, it really is. You could sit here and go down the political route, but I, I do think some of that swamp is being, being drained a lot of that negativity is like it's time for a i think because we were force fed it for pretty much a year and a half we're at the point where it's like look you can't scare us anymore you've used all your tricks kind of thing yeah so but uh but no i think 
there's going to be a large portion that don't get it, but, but there's going to be a large portion that does, but they're going to be standing there going, I don't understand. Like, how do I navigate this now? There's, I think one of my guests was telling me, I think it was just in 2020 alone, third, it was like 13,000 or 30,000 new entrepreneurs were minted. And of the, that, like 800 of them actually made a million dollars in one year. So I think it's going to be, like you said, there is going to be an age of renaissance where these young bucks who have ideas, or I don't know what a term for a lady, <laughs> that's a go-getter. Um, but yeah, they're going to, they start their business and they're going to look and be like, okay, but how do I do what he's doing kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I had an Amazon owner, not even 30. Um, he put 1.2 mil roughly in the bank this year, selling his, his Amazon store. Mm-hmm. I have a, my marketing team and there's no one over the age of 28. Um, and uh, their sales guy has been arrested twice and booked over a million dollars, almost a million dollars in business for the company last year. You know, nice. and, and it's just, you know, sometimes we got to hit rock bottom and sometimes we learn faster than others, but, you know, but like, I'm just so impressed you know, I'm 50 years old and I had such a judgment on like the millennials and younger and the concerns for my daughters. But now I'm seeing these, these kids that I'm coaching that are 21 to 28 that, oh my God, like it, it's almost like the story that you heard the, the son of the NBA player mm-hmm. that either shows up with the best shoes and doesn't do dick or shows up with all the tools that dad's given him and taking advantage of every opportunity now is the best three point shot shot Curry, you know, in the league, you know, you could rest on the laurels or you can take the advantage you have and go do something with it. And I think some of these kids that I've been exposed to embraced technology, um, saw the millennial generation that like, got trophies for just showing up going, no, I want to show up and get what I deserve. You know, I, I, there's, there's this shift these kids that are under the age of 30 right now. There's just, there's a, there's an internal conversation that's just different. It, it kind of resonates back. I don't know what I would say my generation, but there's just, there's a work ethic in some of them that I'm, that I'm dealing with. And I, it's just very impressive that they're embracing technology and this conscious awakening in this, I could, yeah, it's just neat to see. Yeah. I would say I remember in elementary or like fifth grade, that's like right when the politically correct, everyone gets a trophy kind of thing was starting. Yeah. And we were doing, I think it was dodgeball. And that was like one of those, I was as big, I was a big boy. I was like, you couldn't miss me. And I was still really agile. And that's where I won the tournament. But because I won, they didn't give me a trophy and they gave (coughs) everyone else a trophy. And it was something else we did in our one where I lost, but I got a trophy essentially. And I essentially, cause I won the one thing they're like, why didn't he get a trophy? But he got a trophy for losing kind of thing. And I literally looked at the lady and just handed the whatever back to her and said, this is shit. This means nothing to me. I don't know. She's like, well, she gave it to me and I just threw it in a trash can. Like everyone that worked with me on the dodgeball team, we all threw it away. And she was like crippled. But <laughs> Of all those people, I bet those who actually threw away their trophy and didn't like cherish it, they're they're out there. They're getting stuff kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've got female athletes and, and I've done a lot of the psychological studies of the female and the male athlete. And I mm-hmm. watched the guy, he did his, his PhD thesis on motivating the, the female, motivating the male. 
And the male athlete has to believe that he deserves it before he'll embrace and empower the team. So if he's constantly making errors and you're like, good job, way to go, way to go. He's like, no, I suck. I don't want positive feedback until I actually do something well. Don't blow smoke up my ass. And, um, and female athletes motivating in a team-based environment. And, it, and this is 100%, but the, the studies have showed more than not. Women, when they know that their mistake, they won't be excluded. They'll still be part of the team. They're supported through their journey to learn and still train harder. They will show up harder. Yeah. So boys want to know they're doing, they, they got to know. They don't want any feedback from their team members unless they did something awesome. Then they want to be celebrated. Right. right. But, but women need to know that they can make a mistake and not be excluded. Right. So, and it's just, just this psychology. And like you just said, I, I got something for nothing that what it's, it's almost like a punch in the gut. It really was you suck. And I want to, I want to, I want to call you and make you feel better. No, if I lost, I lost. Tell me I lost. It gives me the motivation to go train harder to be better next time. Of my my instructor, his his going thing, and he still says it, but actually recently with COVID, he's kind of calmed down on his anger. And his go his go-to thing if we fucked up hard, all right. He looks at us super serious Armenian look and he's like, suck less, do it again. <laughs> suck less. <laughs> cool. Well, I do have a hard stop. I gotta jump on a client call in like right. dude. What a great organic conversation. It's been awesome. Yeah. Do you have my email and stuff? Yes. Yeah, shoot me a note. Let's circle back and 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 have another conversation. I want to hear more about your journey. Like I said, I am impressed with your journey. I loved your story. It's the Cinderella underdog. I, I love those stories, man. It's awesome. Just, Thank you, Dave. Awesome. You're welcome. Thank have, you for your time. And we'll talk soon. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Well, congratulations. You made it to the end. You're an awesome person. Not many make it here. So being the awesome person that you are, can you do me one more awesome favor? Can you rate and review this on whatever podcast uh, services you're using? Um, app, if you do it on Apple uh, and you leave an actual written review, um, I have a thing on my website. I will take your written review and post it for all to see. Congratulations. You're permanently sealed on my site. Otherwise, um, I am trying to do YouTube more and live streaming. Um, I will try to put as many of the YouTube links in the description of the show as I can. So give your boy uh, some extra help over on um, YouTube. Watch my videos. I, mean, I just mute it and change the channel, <laughs> change the, the window or something. But yeah, um, that's it. Thank you for being awesome and see you next time.